0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, Rotoviz radio listener. This is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com.
1: Football mailbag, a Rotoviz podcast. This is the August thirteenth episode, and every week we are dedicated to answering all of those fantasy football questions. I'm your host, Mike Randall. Follow me on Twitter at Randall Rand. Today we have an old favorite, TJ Hernandez, comes in and drops the knowledge for us. He's the four for four football director of DFS, DFS MVP podcast co-host. Just an incredible writer, an incredible fantasy mind gotta follow him one of the top follows on twitter at tj hernandez he is back this year to get us ready for seasonal redraft year and win that money for dfs yeah. tj great to see you man
2: Dude, good to be back i think uh if, if i have a record for guest podcasts i think it's on run of his radio
1: yeah that's exactly right as it should be and we are honored to have you Four for four, of course. You guys usually have your retreat, I think, a little earlier. So you're out there killing it, man. Talk about all the great stuff you're doing over at Four
2: for Four Football. Man, it's, it's been a a crazy off season. One of the biggest things we did this year um, was add a huge betting package. We got Connor Allen and Ryan Noonan rocking over there. Uh, So that's been awesome off season. Uh, Obviously a ton of NFL stuff with props whatnot. but been dabbling in, in basketball and golf as well. But I mean, we're, we're into football season now. So we've, I've turned the corner into DFS. We just had Hall of Fame game last week. Uh, we got Matt Savoka, who drafted uh, draftaholic on, on Twitter. He's uh, going to be my new co-host of DFS MEP this year. And then Jordan Vanek is an up-and-coming a DFS player, but he's been crushing GPPs the last couple of years, so he's joined the team. So we're zeroing in on, on DFS right now, at least on my side of, of the deal.
1: Yeah, and your articles, man, all the stuff that you do is great. You know, I, I retweeted last year. Talked about that millie maker article that you always yeah. review, the million and make a lineup. It's great insight, folks. Check it out at four for four. TJ does awesome work, man. I want to start off with the Ravens. To me, the Ravens are a critical team to handicap. Uh, We had the flex drafts this weekend. The question is, if you take Dobbins, do you take Gus Edwards? I got sniped by Jeff Ratcliffe because we took a break, TJ, in flex drafts. And I had Gus in my mind, started talking to everybody who's there. I come back and I did not draft Gus Edwards. Just a critical mistake. But now you have Marquise Brown hurt. You had Rashad Bateman, who was really high on limped off. It could be a hernia. It's some sort of soft tissue injury. Of course, Mark Andrews is there, but he doesn't get a ton of targets. So talk to me here about the Ravens. What do you see in this offense? I put out on Twitter today, it's wheels up for J.K. Dobbins, unless you're going to tell me you're a Sammy Watkins truther.
2: No, man. I mean, I I think if if I understand uh, reading the tea leaves correctly, it sounds like if, if anyone's going to be okay, it's going to be Marquise Brown. Uh, Rashad Bateman, it sounds like they're talking about him missing week one at least, maybe even later. And, I mean, for a rookie, that's just devastating. We already know how slow rookie pass catch wide receivers and tight ends typically take to adjust. I mean, we have had some outliers in the past few years, but that's not the the norm. Um, usually wide receivers take, you know, five, six, sometimes seven weeks to kind of get going. So if Bateman is out early week one, I'm, I'm kind of thinking – I'm projecting this offense like we've seen the last couple of years. I mean, we know Lamar is going to be a huge chunk of the offense. The running backs are going to be very volatile because Lamar is going to take so much of their touchdown upside. Um, and then just an insanely concentrated passing attack. We've seen the last couple of years, Marquise Brown and Mark Edwards have combined to be one of the most concentrated passing attacks in the league, typically combining for somewhere around 50% of the targets. That, that kind of fell off for Marquise early last year, but if we look at the last seven weeks of the season, they got back to that like seven targets per game share. Uh, and in this offense, I mean, they're going to be near the top, especially Mark Andrews in target share. He's going to be a guy that can see 26 27% of the targets. Um, but that that unfortunately only equates to about seven targets. So even though the target shares, I think, are going to be high for, for Marquise and, and Mark Andrews, again, sh- assuming Bateman uh, misses, uh, th- throughout training camp and maybe early in the season, um, it's touchdown dependent, right? Like Marquise is going to be uh, insanely uh, high volatility, especially because he is typically um, a deep ball player, although that, again, that did change a little bit down the stretch last year. Uh, and then Mark Andrews, I mean, as far as tight end goes, seven targets per game is going to put him up there, not with the Kelsey's and Waller's, but it'll put him right up there with Waller and then uh, whoever else you, you want to be number five. So uh, I, I think Andrews is going to be fine, even though he is due for some pretty big touchdown numbers. Uh, and I'm kind of projecting this offense like, like we've seen the last two years and I'm like you, if, if I'm going to take a running back uh, in, in this backfield, I mean yeah, maybe you could say wheels up for J.K. just because of the injuries, but uh, again, I'd just rather have the, the, the cheaper guy when J.K. second, third round pick, depending on your league, I mean give me Gus Bus five, six rounds later Gus
1: bus is available at the end of the draft and there's not a ton of guys there who are going to catch 40 passes, 30 passes. So I'm just looking for the score. Something happens to Dobbins, it's wheels up. But if you're looking for a late round running back that could possibly come in and give you, you know, I always go back, T.J., to C.J. Anderson. You, you know, that that sort of yeah. impact. He doesn't have the receiving gusts. That I think he has like 19 catches the last two years. But he's lurking in an area where his upside is huge. Great call with Marquise Brown. The Week 11 game against Tennessee last year, he ran 27 routes, which was high for him. He had three targets, no catches, no receiving yards. So I'm sure people just threw their hands up in the air. But from that point, Week 12 to 17, Eight targets, eight targets, six targets, seven targets, four targets, and eight targets. So you're right. Marquise Brown came on at the second half of last year. And listen, there's camaraderie there. There's built-in rapport. Someone's got to catch the passes, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, shout out to C.J. Anderson, new coach of Monta Vista High School in Northern California. Now yeah. yeah. Monta Vista High School has... Two ex-NFL players, their coaches, C.J. Anderson, Thomas Deku. I was ju- just up in the Bay Area, so I had to throw that in there real
1: quick. Very nice. And I guess, uh, you know, Adam Gaze turned it down, T.J. Is that why C.J.? Got <laughs> yeah, guys, yeah, right? yeah <laughs> Nice. Second one I want to go to. Boy, I have a theory, which some of the doctors on Twitter destroy me on, but it is grounded in talking to doctors that I know personally. If you're in a boot, it's not good. Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson, though, were in a boot, which meant surgery. So I feel like I got the boot corollary correct. However, after the surgery, they seem fine. And it looks like they're both going to be ready for week one. So talk about the Colts. Jonathan Taylor started dropping a little bit. It looks like Jonathan Taylor is back in vogue here as a real high upside early round running back.
2: Man, I I would I'm gonna be a little um cocky and say I had a lot to do with that Jonathan Taylor uh, drop. No, I I did go like on a rant just talking about how if if, uh, an offense is going to be a, um, if we project them to be a really bad offense, like we've seen in the past five years, basically teams that are bottom five in any offensive efficiency metric, um, they just don't produce running back. So so that's why I was okay with that Jonathan Taylor drop. I'm still a little skeptical because we're thinking in terms of range of outcomes here. Right. So they're saying um, Winston Nelson could be ready to go week one. I mean, the initial reports were five to 12 weeks for Wentz. I, I don't know what it was on Nelson, but I mean, we're assuming for week one, we're assuming no setback things go perfectly. Like that initial 12 weeks really worried me. So, I mean, I, Jonathan Taylor I'm looking at in terms of I mean it's hard to say like finding players that are dropping in value in the first round, but just the way I'm I'm dropping the way I'm drafting, if I'm targeting him, if he climbs back into the first round, I need him to fall past the Kelsey's Tyreek Devontae Adams, um, assuming Zeke's going like in that tier. I still need him behind those guys. If he goes back to being taken six overall, I think the, the range of outcomes is still too wide. Uh, If Wentz has a setback and he's out for the first eight weeks of the season or something like that, or six weeks of the season, um, all of a sudden that pick isn't looking too great if you are taking them as the RB6, RB7, RB8. Uh, So I'm still really paying attention to it. I'm not assuming that the reports we saw today are – I'm not taking those as gospel because we're dealing with with surgery here, right? Um, So, yeah, I – I'm I'm still hoping if I am targeting Taylor, I, I still think first round is still really risky. Man.
1: Yeah, I just looked it up just to show you how much variance there is on this game. I went on the Action Network app. They have Indianapolis week one line plus three at FanDuel and yep. Seattle at bet 365 plus three. So there's just a lot of variance on who's going to be available there. Do you think, TJ, I'm a Paris Campbell guy. I'm waiting for him to pop. Do you think, because obviously Hines is involved, Mac is back as well, but could Paris Campbell cut into any anticipated receiving work that maybe Taylor was possibly going to get? Yeah, I
2: mean, I, I don't even know that like we're, we can say that, that Taylor was just going to see this huge uptick in tar- targets. Like you said, Hines is there um, and then on, on the other side looking at the, the wide receivers and tight ends like, who are we relying on? Mo Alley Cox and, and uh, uh, T.Y. Hilton that, that's on the decline. So I was already kind of looking at Campbell, not even just from like an individual player standpoint, but from what I can think about in terms of the overall upside of the offense, assuming a, a healthy Carson Wentz. One thing that really caught my eye with this team is that when we saw look ahead lines drop and when we saw odds drop for the highest scoring teams, look ahead lines, we saw the Colts with the fourth highest average implied point total over 18 weeks. We saw them have a top ten um uh top ten odds like they, they came in at plus plus eighteen hundred when those lines came out six or seven weeks ago to be Great the highest point. scoring team in the league. Great I point. mean, so I went back to my process and said, what is Vegas seeing that I'm not seeing? And I think it's just that this was already a, a top-ten offense with um, with Philip Rivers last year, and people think Wentz sucks and he's going to be a huge drop-off. Listen, Rivers wasn't the the Rivers of his prime, he so it yeah. wasn't that Wentz needed to come in and be amazing. He needed to come in pretty much maintain what they were doing last year, and I think if he's healthy, they could very much do that.
1: Moving over to tight ends, with all due respect to Mo'Ally Cox, who I love, of course, we're going to move over to the top tier tight ends. I guess I'm torn, TJ, because I don't think there's a huge difference between Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller. Certainly not in the targets, but there is part of me that's saying, you know, at some point, it's still Darren Waller, you know? Can, is he really at the level where we can just pencil him in for another massive target share with the Raiders? George Kittle has sort of fallen. Now Trey Lance is lighting it up in practice. Is that going to help Kittle? Is that going to hurt Kittle? And I'm curious where you're on Kyle Pitt. So basically just a question about the top tight ends in general. How are you looking at them for, I don't know, not only DFS, but for seasonal leagues as
2: well? I'm kind of in agreement uh, with ADP here. I think Kelsey is in his own tier because okay. he is going to be that 27, 28% target share guy, which, well, there was last year, but Kelsey's also in the best offense in the league. He has the touchdown upside. We've seen him doing it year after year. He is, I mean, he's already probably the best tight end of all time, save maybe Gronk, and, and he's getting close in that argument to, to being better. I mean, he's. Just the, the clear cut tight one for me with the Chiefs, as long as Patrick Mahomes is there. The The issue with Waller, and, and again, I, I think he is in this tier with Kittle. I, I think he's still going to be probably number two, if not number one in targets. The problem is the Raiders, for the past couple of years, they've been dead last in wide receiver target share because they haven't had any damn wide receivers. So Waller's been that guy to do that. Um, the, do you the remember hope, they the, had
1: Nelson Aguilar, of course?
2: <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the hope for the Raiders, right, is that. Henry Ruggs comes along. They, we've seen some good things from Brian Edwards. When John Brown's healthy, John Brown's a hell of a receiver and no one's talking about him. So I, I do think there is a chance that Waller might not be the 28% target you guy was last year. Maybe he falls down to 24%. And if, if the huge touchdown upside isn't there like Kelsey, I think you have to have him a little bit lower. Um, I, I think Kittle is – in that Waller tier because on a game-to-game basis, I think Kittle has as much upside as Travis Kelsey. We've seen him put up huge games. The problem is he's never had this huge touchdown season. Um, he does, on a per-game basis, he does see the targets, but again, he's only seen um, one season with over 106 targets. He had a 137-target season a couple uh, seasons ago, so we know he can hit that mark, so I, I kind of have him and Waller bunched together because I do like the upside of Kittle. I do like San Francisco's offense as a whole, but again, he has a couple guys to compete with that are kind of similar to him in, in terms of the routes they're gonna run. And then Pitts, man, I, I I'm not on the Kyle Pitts is ready to be the tight end. I'm for. not um, either. I mean yes. well like I, I just don't I, I, I don't see how we can be drafting a player at his his ceiling and his ceiling is a the outlier of outliers for rookie tight ends that we've ever seen. And I, I know the counter to that as well. He's listed as a tight end but he's a wide receiver. That's fine. Wide receivers take just as long to come along. I mean, maybe a little, maybe, maybe tight ends take till year two. How many wide receivers are ready to go week one and putting up, you know, numbers that are consistent with a tight a tight end, tight end four is like wide receiver two numbers. What player is walking onto the field their first year as a pass catcher and putting up wide receiver two numbers? Um almost none. So either way you look at it, sure he'll be a wide receiver. Sure Julio will be gone. Um that's just not the way the NFL works. You just don't show up and start catching catching seven eight balls a game.
1: I would be fine if Kyle Pitts was going as a as a later tight end one. But just for an example, TJ, Hunter Henry now injured. I don't know how long he's going to be out, but I would take Jonu Smith in the New England Patriot offense over him, provided that Hunter Henry, of course, is not playing for a while. I just think there's too many outs for Kyle Pitts. I'd have no problem tight end seven, tight end eight, tight end four, he'd have to really smash. I mean, what, Shockey had the best year, I think, for a tight end in some ways. I, I can't say it. I just can't.
2: I mean, we're we're we always have to be thinking about opportunity Coach, right? If if we're going to be looking at rookies, you're basically passing on Jamar Chase to take Kyle Pitts. You take whatever. T. Higgins, uh, Daryl Henderson, if you believe in him, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, um, Miles Sanders, Lamar Jackson, Odell—all those guys, I think, are guys I'd rather have kind of in that ADP range than Kyle Pitts. Salt or no salt on a margarita? Salt, man. If you're going to go for the experience, go for the experience. If I want just a straight cup of booze and don't want the salt, you know, I'll just get my whiskey. But if it's when in Rome, you know, do as the Romans do. If they're, if I'm getting a margarita, I'm I'm going all the way.
1: Get the taste buds going. I agree. I have a question here from Eric in Seaside Heights in New Jersey. He asked about your super flex draft approach. And I thought it was a good one. Cause as I said, flex leagues draft with Jake Sealy down on Saturday, I was the 11th pick out of 12 people and it went TJ cause it's super flex. QB, running back, QB, QB, running back, running back, QB, you know, right up there. I took Devontae Adams. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait on quarterback as long as possible and got a nice round of applause in the room when I grabbed Matt Ryan around like round 11, round 10. So what are your thoughts? Obviously, waiting on quarterback with Superflex probably is not the greatest idea, but I just thought I could nail some value. I took Adams and I took Kelsey. And then I ended up piecing it together and waiting. And I'm hoping that my guy Taysom Hill, which is why I have my Saints hat on, is going to show up this year. What do you do with Superflex drafts?
2: In the past, I have liked that strategy, especially if I miss out on that top tier. There's a crazy run early in the first round to, uh, you know, sometimes I, I saw Sean Segal did this a couple of weeks ago in one of our mock drafts. Take three guys like in that, like four through seven, around four through seven, mm-hmm. uh, get like three middling. link. I know you said you, you waited until 11 for Matt Ryan, but I mean, taking three guys that are potentially going to be starters um, or, or potentially every week starters or, or consistent every week starters and kind of piece it together. The problem is, uh, I kind of wrote about as, as a redraft, as a one quarterback redraft league, I wrote about this, but it pertains to Superflex. We all of a sudden have a, a humongous, teardrop between the top eight or nine guys and the rest of the field quarterback scoring has typically been extremely linear and last year we saw that change because the most efficient passers were also the most mobile quarterbacks uh, and those guys were kind of lapping the field last year so I'm really trepidatious about not having a top eight or nine quarterback in any format this year because these are guys that like in, in the past years you can there might be one or two outliers per week or per season Uh, last year we were seeing five or six guys putting up those outlier weeks at a time and and if you didn't have one of them you were kind of left chasing your tail so even if I can't get two high end guys which actually now is my goal but you're kind of at the mercy of your draft position uh, I'm typically trying to get one of those guys and I guess you would cut that off at you could say Justin Herbert, um, depending on like I guess now with possible trade news with with uh, Watson to to Philly, Jalen Hurts has dropped a little bit, um, but I don't want to go lower than Herbert. I want I want one of the guys, Herbert or higher.
1: Yeah, especially with Rayshawn Slater standing everyone up. A fantastic move by the Giants out here, <laughs> passing on that on that to offensive tackle.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate
3: are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare care provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare care regimen, including EE system.
1: Breakout players. Do you have two guys here that you think are going to step up? I'm bringing this up because, of course, I feel like there was a Josh Allen click last year, TJ, I was in there. You were in there. Evan Silva, who were really on Josh Allen to have yeah, a big, man. big year, and he delivered. So I'm looking to go back in the crystal ball. You have two guys here. Any position you have your eye on?
2: Yeah, I uh, I don't have a, a Josh a take as strong as Josh Allen this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Josh Allen is going to be this year's Josh Allen. Uh, the one guy that I really like is is Tua Viola um, yes. in Miami. Um, Miami was already top 10 to neutral pass rate last season. Um, we've seen – Typically, we we always talk about the second-year quarterback uptick. Uh, Teams have kind of peaked their passing in the second-year with the quarterback over the last 15 seasons. Uh, 28 rookie quarterbacks started eight-plus games their rookie year and then twelve plus games the following year. Basically, starters their rookie year and then the the uh, obvious starter the second year. Those teams have had an uh, uptick in basically three percent on average in neutral pass rate. If Miami sees that uptick this year, they're looking at like top five passing rate um, in the league up there with Kansas City, and I think that's that's very doable. Obviously, they've added weapons around to a drafted Jalen Waddle brought, brought in Will Fuller, who's one of the best D ball guys in the league, uh, and him and Devonte Parker showed a lot of rapport. Like Last year. we saw Devontae Parker get a huge spike um, once uh, in Target Share once Tua took over. Uh, Mike Geseki already there, um, and then we've we've seen Tua last year. He had games of 35 yards, 25 yards, and 28 yards rushing. Uh, so there's a little bit, there's enough of a of rushing upside to where if he does take that that leap with all these weapons around him, he can compete and put up. I mean, not QB overall QB1 numbers, but QB1 and, in terms of top 12 numbers, I think on a pretty consistent basis. I, I like Miami to be pretty pass-heavy. I think they're, they're just going to be in a really good offense, and, and they can put up some points. So two is one guy that, that I really like. If you miss out on those top eight guys, he's kind of um, – everybody's kind of saying Joe Burrow the one is, is the one that's going to make the leap. Um it's hard to get bangles. People are drafting them a little bit earlier, so if I miss out on top eight, I'm fine waiting for Tua. Um, another breakout player that I like is, like is a rookie, Trey Sermon, um, for the 49ers. The, the, uh, if we look at Kyle Sh- – I know everybody loves Kyle Shanahan stats. If we look at fantasy points scored uh, for the 49ers' backfield as a whole since uh, Shanahan came in, eighth in fantasy points scored, 15th, second, and then fourth last year, half PPR points scored by their collective running back, now, it's been a lot of committees, so it's been hard to find a reliable running bet. Um, I think this year they traded up for Trey Sermon. Uh, we've seen Raheem Mostert have a chance to secure that RB1 role. He hasn't been able to do it. And last year we were dealing with a three-headed monster in, in San Francisco, sometimes even four if you threw Jeff Wilson into the mix. I think this year with Sermon and Mostert, I think it's going to look more like a two-headed monster. And, and even if Sermon is only like a – 65% touch guy. That's still really big for what we've seen compared to the last few years for the 49ers. Um, and I think he could be that because they had they did show that how much they like him and trading up for him. So I think Sermon he's priced right for me. We know Shanahan's going to use his running backs a ton, and I think he could win the I mean whatever you want to call the starting job in San Francisco. But 60, 65% of the backfield touches in San Francisco is that's better than 80% of the touches in a lot of backfields.
1: It's amazing the restraint you just showed. Do you know that Tua had five interceptions in the rain in the first practice this year? <laughs> Yet you're overlooking that, TJ. That's amazing. No, I love Tua as well. I think he was thrown to the, the fire last year. Wasn't ready, but they just wanted to get experience. He was still coming off the injury, and I thought he – performed fairly in a decent way given the situation that he was placed in i'm all aboard this guy was a magical guy in college people were talking about the number one overall pick before he got hurt i think those are, are great calls across the board let's go to overrated and disappointment each position let's look at quarterback i wouldn't say definitely a bust but is there a quarterback that you see that's going right now that you say you know I think he's slightly too high. A lot of people have said Matt Ryan to this. Is there somebody who's listed as, as a quarterback in redraft seasonal that you say, eh, I don't know if he's going to hit that.
2: Yeah. I wrote an article earlier this season that basically showed trends for each position. And one trends uh, in addition to what I just talked about, the, the scoring last year is that quarterback ADP has become insanely efficient. Uh, we only saw three quarterbacks finish as top 12 quarterbacks last year that weren't drafted as such. So basically, all the quarterbacks that are being drafted as QB ones are finishing as QB ones. So, with how good we've come at projecting quarterbacks, it's, it's hard to say that any of the guys are super overrated. So, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna kind of uh, dance around this a little bit. Not take any of the top guys. I think all of the top guys are super fairly priced. I'm never paying up for um, as much as I hate to say Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes just because I don't think that's how you build a winning. Um, uh, redraft roster, but if I just go right to that next tier, I mean Tom Brady being taken as a top ten quarterback, he had a he had a touchdown rate that was almost seven percent. Uh, I mean it's it's very hard to say that Tom Brady's going to decline because of his age because he hasn't done it yet. Um, but we've also some, seen Tom Brady like not to be a guy that's going to going to throw a 7% touchdown rate. Most quarterbacks aren't going to throw a 7% touchdown rate, so we can expect that to bounce back a little bit. Uh, And he just doesn't give you, even if he's at the top of his game in terms of passing, he's giving you low-end QB1 numbers because all the top guys are just impossible to catch if you aren't running the ball. Brady needs to be throwing four or five touchdowns per game to be matching the production of the top five or six fantasy quarterbacks because of their legs. So I would rather, just the way I'm drafting, I would rather pass up on a player that I have to spend, the QB9 is going in in the top 10 rounds right now. I'd rather just wait till the end of my draft and grab it too and then take Brady and then feel compelled to start him because I I spent draft capital on him. So it's dancing around a little bit. I don't think any of the top guys are overrated, but I'd rather just not take Brady as the QB9 right now.
1: Yeah, it's a fantastic argument, very cogent. Look at running back. My answer to this for running back is DeAndre Swift. Reason being, they brought in Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams was a thorn in the side for Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, with a Hall of Fame quarterback, 61% snap share last year. Why did Aaron Jones produce? Because he's had 30 touchdowns, TJ, in the last two years. Now, I like Aaron Jones as long as he's in Green Bay and as long as Aaron Rodgers is there. But I think it speaks to Jamal Williams being a splinter and I think he's going to be that in Dan Campbell's system with multiple mochas or caffeine drinks that he has in the morning. Mine is DeAndre Swift. Who do you say here is overrated for running back?
2: I like the DeAndre Swift call, and I agree with your take on the Jamal Williams. Like it's either Aaron Jones wasn't good enough to be a bell cow, or Jamal Williams was good enough where they couldn't keep him off the field. I tend to think it was the latter, and I think this, that team's just going to be awful anyway, and, and I think Jamal Williams is going to get work. Um, you, the the question was phrased as massively overrated, so I went for the I went for the home run here, and I'm going with Alvin Kamara. Um, yeah, wow. Junior, <laughs> he, I mean, I he's be, again we're going back to opportunity cost, right? And. It's, it's pretty hard to win, the, the classic phrase. Hard to win in the first round, very easy to lose your league in the first round. Um, Alvin Kamara being drafted as a top-four player right now. We saw the splits last year with Taysom. Four targets per game, uh, 2.5 receptions per game with Taysom. Compare that to 8.3 targets and 6.6 catches without him. If J- Jameis wins the starting job, look at Jameis's running back touch shares when he's been the quarterback. His rookie year... The Buccaneers were first in running back touch share the other three seasons that Jameis started double-digit games, 23rd, 31st, 21st in running back touch share. Jameis doesn't like to check it down. Kamara's going to get his, no matter who's the quarterback, he's Alvin Kamara. Um, but Alvin Kamara's also lived off an insane touchdown he, uh He started his career since coming into the league, uh 5.8% touchdown rate. Um I think as his whole career has to regress a little bit. Like LaDainian Thomason retired with a four point three percent touchdown rate. I don't think Kamarica maintained a six percent touchdown rate for his whole career. He had eight percent touchdown rate last season, almost nine touchdowns over expectation. Um and he's just a year removed from a season where he only scored on two and a half percent of his touches. Granted he was hurt, but this is an offense, it's gonna be really hard to uh project them for crazy high scoring We don't know Michael Thomas' comeback. We don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be. If Taysom Hill is the starter, he's going to take a lot of that rushing touchdown upside from Kamara. Um, So I think there's a lot of downside in this pick. Uh, Kamara is a pass catcher running back, which I love. He's never going to be a 300 touch guy. He needs touchdowns to to be in that top tier. Uh, and, And there's a lot that suggests that he can go from that elite tier to just that fringe. RB1 range or or even lower. And if you get that from a top four pick, um, you're not going to be excited. Wide receiver. This one for me, I
1: cannot invest in Evans or Godwin at their current ADP. OJ Howard slow coming back from the Achilles. So that eliminates somebody, but Gronk is there, pass catching backs, Giovanni Bernard and Antonio Brown. So for me, I, I have trouble investing in the early Buccaneer wide receivers. Is there a wide receiver that you're staying away from
2: here? Yeah, I completely agree with that. I said Tom Brady, so obviously it kind of extrapolates to the whole offense. Again, I went for a little bit of a home run here because it said massively overrated. Um, A.J. Brown being, taken as, a top yeah. ten wide, being take, taken as a top 10 wide receiver. Listen, I think A.J. Brown is as good as any wide receiver in the league, and I typically love betting on talent at wide receiver. Uh, I, I think it's one position where talent almost always wins out. Um, the problem is just – you need a lot of volume to be a top 10 wide receiver, and I don't know if A.J. Brown's going to get that. He had the second fewest targets among the top 24 wide receivers last year. He scored six touchdowns over expectation, uh, almost 11% touchdown rate, 11 touchdowns, and was still only the wide receiver 12. Um, as long as Derrick Kennedy is healthy, this is going to be a run-first offense. I know uh, Jonu and Corey Davis are gone, but Julio, when Julio is healthy, I mean – I know his age, and I know he's had trouble staying on the field. If he plays 9, 10 games, it's going to be really hard for A.J. Brown to get to that, like, 130 targets that i like to see out of a player that I'm drafting uh, as as a top-10 wide receiver. So I do think there's a lot more downside uh, than people are projecting with A.J. Brown. Um, I, I don't know that his median projection should be a top-10 wide receiver. I think it should be closer to wide receiver 13, 14, 15, and I know that is – Uh, Definitely not what the consistency is saying, obviously, because of ADP, but even among experts. But uh, I think there's a lot of downside in A.J. Brown's game.
1: It's a great, unique argument. Haven't heard it, but it made a lot of sense. Tight end, we mentioned Pitts. I'm just going to throw another name out to get your reaction here. Last two guys, Josh Larkey and Derek Brown, that I've had on the mailbag have answered this question with no offense and i've been a huge noah fant guy their argument is too many miles to feed a lot of people in the offense they're going to run the ball vic fangio conservative and that they just don't can't don't think you can count on fant to produce as a top 10 tight end here given that he's probably not going to have a dominant target share thoughts on tight end outside of pits or noah fant what do you think about that
2: one yeah i i agree with the sentiment on the noah fant but you're spending the 110th pick to get him um So in that case, like, yeah, he is going as a top 10 tight end, but he's going so late that if I have to cut ties with him, um, I'm I'm not, terribly beat up about it. Um, I wrote down Kyle Pitts just because I, I think that uh, he is the most obvious guy that I'm just avoiding, 46th overall um, in, in underdog ADP. I mean, a guy that I think I'm a little worried about is is Tyler Higby. He's going as, as the tight end eight, and people are just kind of projecting him just to step in and, again, kind of like Fant be a top seven tight end, but that is a – Offense that has extremely concentrated target share between um, between Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. So after, if those two guys are going to account for half of the targets, uh, you really need to be doing work with your targets to to stand in that offense. I don't know if is going to just get 20% of targets when they're already seeing 50% combined.
1: Yeah, Jacob Harris, with a fancy tight end, of course. You know, we we have bias from the videos that go on to Twitter, but he had a touchdown today. But sure, that's a great one as well. What now that we're hopefully TJ, knock on wood, coming out of COVID? What's something you found yourself doing, or something personally you enjoy that you're getting back to now that hopefully we're,
2: we're slowly getting out of this? Um, I'll. I'll say going to bars is a gimme. Um, yeah. Going to a, going to a concert or a comedy show. Uh, we were just talking. We were just talking before this. Uh, we started recording. Uh, not doing anything during during the season, and I'm breaking that rule this year. I have uh, I have tickets to Red Rocks in October, and I never yeah. travel during football because it's just a pain in the ass. Obviously, we're all busy. Um, but going to a show Red Rocks, man, concert or comedy shows—the two things I'm I can't wait to do. I got a couple concert tickets next week. Um, I'm dying to get out there.
1: Fantastic. All outdoor
2: venues too, so we're being safe, guys. Of course, absolutely. Favorite video
1: game growing up? Um,
2: obviously it was a huge Madden guy. Um, mm-hmm. but if, if you talk about the game that I remember playing the most, probably RBI baseball three. Um, RBI
1: baseball. Oh to, my god. Great
2: call. My brothers and I would my brothers would I would get in trouble almost every day staying up till way past our bedtime, sneaking in each other's rooms playing RBI three all night.
1: Excellent call. I got to go easy on my son playing Mario Kart as a result of that. He likes to stay up. Ooh, that's up there. Yeah, definitely. You are the DFS master, sir. You're one of the elite guys with DFS strategy. Any hints you can give people as we head into this season? And, and listen, DFS, preseason DFS, a lot of opportunity here to take advantage of. I mean, some people don't like sitting there saying Dwayne Haskins. Am I starting Dwayne Haskins or not, as we did last week at the Hall of Fame game? But I would think that preseason DFS for a guy of your caliber, you can really take advantage of. What are some strategy thoughts that we can use here as people want to dive in, get some action going next couple weeks?
2: Yeah, it's it's really a completely different game. And it actually, like, I've I've done well at it, but mostly because I've had other guys around me that are good at preseason. It kind of strips away a lot of the – Um, like deep dive analytical stuff that I do. And it's really just like you need to be paying attention as much as possible. Um, And and it's, it's a lot, it's similar to other sports like basketball where you need to be around an hour, 30 minutes, 15 minutes before kickoff, following the beat reporters. I mean, really what we're looking for, we're looking for indications of snaps and playing time. Um, Who's going to be getting a a lot of times we'll get really good indications on which quarterbacks are going to be playing the most looking for, if we can find a quarterback, um, especially these next couple of weeks, the, the last week's dress rehearsal or the, the week before the last week's dress rehearsal. Um, but like getting Ideas on, can we find a quarterback that's going to play three quarters and all these other quarterbacks are playing one or two quarters? Finding things like that are really important. Following all the beat reporters. Um, finding um, position battles, especially like with late or late round picks or undrafted free agents. Those guys fighting for roster spots are typically going to be the ones getting the most time because coaches need to, to take a look at them. Um, beat 4 for 4, we have a Discord channel. I'm, I'm sure a lot of other sites have ways that – the the writers are communicating with you. So being there leading up to kickoff, all those things leading up to kickoff are insanely important. Um, I mean, just from a actual DFS standpoint, if you're playing showdown, don't not forgetting about the the defense and the kickers, like they're scoring as much as some of these other positional players. We're so used to looking for the upside with wide receivers, quarterbacks and whatnot Um, defenses and kickers are scoring a ton of points or at least relative to the other positions in preseason. So, you would never play a defense in your captain spot in a regular showdown slate. You could think about doing that in some of these preseason showdown slates. Uh, really being active, find good beat reporters, find good uh, writers that are willing to keep updating the info every second up to kickoff is really how you beat these guys.
1: Yeah, Steelers in the captain spot last week for the defense. That That was the key there. I'm sure you've looked at week one DFS. I know you have. The reason I'm throwing up this question is to see if you have any players that are jumping out already is Ian has put out today. Travis ET had 4,900 on DK against the Texans in week one, and he had a little picture of uh, I think it was Goodfellas there underneath it. So a couple guys who are popping here in week one that maybe, you know,
2: sort of piqued your interest already. Oh my guy, heart. it's He must have been ready, reading my uh, first take article. Uh, yeah, I, I I did a quick glance at it. I mean, again, I I tried not to look too hard at it because I'm I, I want to wait till week one and have all the information, so I don't have these preconceived notions. But uh, yeah, I, def- I How can I not glance at it? Uh, a couple of things I looked at. Like the one thing that's probably not going to change is our our point totals, right? Our, our over unders, or spreads for week one, unless there's major injuries. Those probably aren't going to change much. So. We we have a pretty good idea of where the shootouts are going to be already. So um, Chiefs Chiefs uh, Browns looks like a pretty good one. Everyone's going to be on the Chiefs side. Baker at fifty nine hundred, really interesting. I'm looking at DraftKings here, um, and then Tannehill's a hundred dollars more. Uh, than Jalen Hurts, who I think a lot of people are going to be on. So people might overlook Tannehill against Arizona. People will be on Kyler in that game. That could be a shootout. Running back, um, CMC is 9,500. That might be the cheapest he'll be all year. was consistently cracking 10K before that. Going back to that Chiefs game, CH is 6,600. A, a lot of people, I think, will be on the past games. And then I said uh, rookie discounts across the board. Uh, Travis Etienne and Trey Sermon, both sub-5K. Uh, wide receiver. Stephon Diggs presses wide receiver six. He could be the wide receiver one any week. All the other Bills receivers, sub 4,500 rookie discounts on Jamar Chase and uh, Devontae Smith, both sub 5K, although Devontae Smith might not be playing. Um, yeah. yeah, and then uh, Troutman at tight end. I think a lot of people are going to be on Troutman at 2,900.
1: Uh, TJ, I think he's got to redo that offense. They're, I mean, I know Marcus Callaway's is getting a lot of buzz I think Taysom Hill is very involved. I think Latavius Murray is going to get a lot of volume. It's a guy I like to grab as well. I don't know what's going to happen, but I would think Taysom throwing Adam Troutman is going to be a primary target in a lot of ways because that's a short to intermediate route. He didn't mind throwing it deep. I just would say TJ didn't look great when he threw a deep last year.
2: No, this is absolutely 100% true. I'm not making this up. I had a dream last night that Latavius ripped off a 70-yard touchdown on the first drive. So I'll let's see oh. let's see how how Nostradamus I am.
1: My friend, you get that right. This is going back up on Twitter that day. You can take it to the bank. This question came up a couple weeks ago. I love it. It's uh, someone, Pete Aquaviva is asking, listen, take a guy, TJ, that you love this year, one of your people that you're really hyping for, that you feel strongly about make the argument against them. So you're not agreeing with it, but say, listen, if I'm wrong on this guy, here's why I think I could be wrong.
2: Yeah, I actually love this. I'm actually, I'll do one more shameless plug. I'm actually writing an article in about a week called "Why Every First Round Pick Will Bust." and I'm only looking at the downside of every player being drafted nice. in the first nice. round. Um, nice. But, but I, I, I looked at um, my my underdog exposures to see who I've been, who I've drafted the most for this question. And uh, one player that that's right up there, in my highest exposure is who we just talked about, George Kittle. I love the upside of him, but if we're gonna look at the downside of a player that I've drafted a lot. Never scored more than five touchdowns in a season. The 49ers rely heavily on yards after the catch. They have two wide receivers in Brandon Iac and, and Debo Sammy, who are also very good as, at that, as well as George Kittle. And we have Trey Lance, who – We assume he'll be starting at some point in the season. If not week one, he's a quarterback that is going to be very mobile in an offense that's already running back centric. So we don't know even how much the passing pie is going to be there. And if it is very small, Kittle's going to need to maintain 27 28% target share to remain consistent. So those are the downsides of Kittle. I'm still drafting him.
1: If you're on fear factor, man, is there something that would go – I can do anything, but if you do that, I'm out.
2: Any any bodily fluid stuff. I think they had. <laughs> I think they had a couple animal blood in there. I think. I think there was some semen in there. I think there was some. Uh, I, I I don't know anything. Bodily fluid. I'm. I, I feel like I could get myself to eat any animal or whatever. I feel like I could get the cockroach down. Um, I feel like I could – any any scary thing I'm cool with, bodily fluids, I'm, I'm out. I don't so, care if it's human or animal, out on the body fluids. All
1: right, so if we do fantasy football expert survivor, we just got to wait for the food part if you got to drink something and we, we may shake you up a little
2: bit. No problem. Rough, rough, so rough.
1: Redraft lightning round going to give you two guys think 0.5 PPR half PPR seasonal leagues who do you like better volume city here in the AFC North TJ Joe Mixon Najee Harris
2: Joe Mixon he's a great Joe Mixon is a great leverage play on on the the uh, Bengals passing game that everybody's so in love with
1: if Joe Mixon plays I would say what seventeen, but maybe sits one game now this year's schedule. If Joe Mixon plays sixteen games, he's gonna finish as a top five running back. I yep. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that because they use him. That's really the question. But I was encouraged. Nandre Harris, eighteen snaps with the starters. He played them all, so uh, close one. But I I like Mixon as well. Brandon Ayuk or T
2: Higgins. I know I just knocked Bengals. I'm gonna say T Higgins here. So Ch- you like Higgins over Chase as the top guy there. Uh, I think there'll be enough to go around that Higgins ekes out Ayuk. I mean, I, I don't love either of these, to be honest. Um, but I, I think Higgins, I think there's enough to, for Higgins to be there. Like, we're, we're dealing with three, uh, we're, we're dealing with uh, offenses that have three guys that are going to be heavily targeted on both of these 49ers and uh, Bengals. So, Higgins barely. I asked
1: this next one because I feel like Mike Williams is on the fifth year Devonte Parker breakout uh, angle. Is he going to do that? But he's still very volatile. Do you like him in that charger offense or Debo Samuel there with Trey Lance probably getting in at some point?
2: This is such a, did you set this up to be like Bengals, Niners, Bengals, Niners? I did really I hard. did a total
1: accident. I you know what I did? I, I realized that after, but it I was really hard.
2: It makes it really hard.
1: That's what I'm doing. I'm trying to come up with players that I am close on, and these two offenses end up just being that in that area. Uh I'm
2: going deep bow here. I'm just not
1: a Michael A's believer. And late round tight end. Listen, it's still Zach Ertz. It's still Zach Ertz from a hundred receptions. But he's behind Dallas Goddard. It's Jalen Hurts there. Who knows, Deshaun? Dan Arnold isn't great, but he's getting nice buzz in the camp. Do you stick with Hurts or do you like Dan Arnold in Carolina, who's
2: incredibly cheap? I know he's incredibly cheap. and I know he's got not getting as much hype as these guys. He just seems like the he seems like the the Chris Herndon of past the uh, the the who else have we pumped up the OJ Howard of the past? He just feels like that again. Uh, Everyone loves the shiny new toy. I'm, I'm going ours here.
1: Is there a later round rookie pick? So think back to your dynasty leagues. Someone maybe you grabbed in round three or later that you say, you know, I think he could actually be an issue this year. Later round rookie pick, round three or later in your dynasty leagues that you're sort of saying, I'm going to stash him, but he may get a couple weeks in for me at the end of this year.
2: Yeah, I don't know if he was going around three in, in, in Dynasty Startups, but uh, Amon Ross St. Brown for the, uh, for the Lions, I mean, that's a team that's just going uh, to they're, they're be awful all, all around. Like we talked about with DeAndre Swift, they're going to be throwing a ton, and he's, he's lined up on the outside, he's lined up on the inside, and he's going to be competing with the top two targets, uh, Rashad Perrim and Ty- Tyrell Williams. We, we kind of know what they are. They're guys that can run really good in a straight line and, and not do much else uh and haven't proven to be number one wide receivers in this league so i think st brown can make a little dent in that offense and uh if if you could be patient with them or or pick him up off the waivers i think he could be uh every week ppr starter come uh come down the stretch
1: the amount of insight we get from tj hernandez in every question is robust city so here's the last one and i will let you go sir Bold prediction time. Give me one. You're already talking about Latavius Murray, and I will remember that and put that out there. But what do you give me here? Give me a TJ Hernandez 2021 bold prediction.
2: Let's just double down on on 2020. Last year, Josh Allen was our, our QB one. Uh, this year, I think Josh Allen sets the record for most fantasy points ever scored by a quarterback. He he put, he, he he put up his numbers last year with a touchdown rate barely above six percent. Usually, when people are finishing as the QB one, they're putting up like eight nine percent touchdown rate. He does that this year, keeps the rushing upside, and and just smashes the all time record for a fantasy points scored.
1: You always over deliver. TJ Hernandez, 4 for 4 football director of DFS, DFS MVP podcast co host. Follow him on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. Look for those articles coming out. Win that shmoney with DFS. He's the guy to follow. TJ, it is a pleasure, my friend. Thank you.
2: Catch you next time.
1: Thank you for listening to RotoViz Radio. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a RotoViz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. So follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio and at Randall Rant. Make sure you tell a friend and don't forget to sign up for a 10% discount on our podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. It's a no brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in.
4: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why?